Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. I'm encouraged uh, for this summer series upcoming. Obviously, summer's here. Well, today it's here. It's 95 degrees. Uh, but we have more people in our transform groups than ever, and it's our summer series. So I'm encouraged by that. Tuesday night, the ladies I know meet here. Over 100 women, our ladies. Over 100 women, show, uh, sorry, 100 men showing up on Wednesday night. How many know that's good? I do just want to say that if you've been a part of a transform group before, you might be like, oh, I did that, Anthony. Our transform group keeps growing and keeps transforming. How many know its name is Transform, it can't get stuck. And uh, so we help men, if you don't know, get vision about their lives, help them really identify what are the important things in their world. But then we take them on a track. It's really a two-year path now, going through the Gospel of John, going through Ephesians, going through the book of Proverbs. We're actually going to bring in Nehemiah, going to go through uh, freedom and so forth. So I just want to let you know, and I want to read this scripture to you first, Genesis 14, 14. It's been a scripture that's been on my heart for a while. When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, someone say captive, he called out, and I want you to watch this now, every man, every woman. He called out the 318 men trained, trained men born in his household. Trained men, trained women. And I've often thought to myself how important it is to be trained in his house. That we're not just trying to get attenders. We're kind of trying to raise an army of trained people who know their God and can really flourish and move forward in life. And so I heard this quote recently. It said this, weak men produce hard times. Hard times cause strong men, but strong men make good times. And we are here to make strong men. And if you're a woman, throw a little woe in there and I'm with you. I'm with you. Someone say, woe. How I many know the best part of man is often the woe? Definitely the case in my, in my house. <laughs> She's like, don't you forget it. Trying not to. We're going to pray and then I want us to declare this. How many know that prayer is a declaration? Come on, say this with me. Father, strength of my life. I surrender to you. Today by faith, I step into my true identity in Christ. I declare the grace, favour, love, wisdom and power of God is available for me, my family and every part of my life. I declare by grace, I'm justified in His sight a child of the Most High God. I am blessed to be a blessing. Holy Spirit, let me hear your voice today. 
May I never be the same. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for every man, every woman. And I just ask you, Holy Spirit, would you walk amongst us and anoint, anoint, anoint every person to hear your word. Those online, those in this auditorium, in our kids' space right now, anoint them to hear. Help me fulfill the assignment you've given me, Father. May more than anything else, a spirit of a warrior get on your people in Jesus' name. A faith-filled, good-looking group of people said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Grab your seats. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, guys. Someone say warrior. We are beginning, uh, well, last week we began a series in our church called Warrior. And out of the nature and the character of God is not just love, is not just grace, is not just mercy, but it is a warrior. Exodus chapter 15 says, the Lord is a warrior, the warrior is His name. How many know that you and I are made in the image and the likeness of God? How many know there's so many wars going on in the world, partially because men and women, we will fight something, but the true question is, will we fight for the right thing? You will fight for something. You'll fight for pleasure. You'll fight for all kinds of things. You'll fight for nonsense. But are you going to fight for the right things? And, um, and we jump into a book that I love. It's the book of Judges. And the book of Judges has cycles of blessings and cycles of oppression. And the interesting thing about the children of Israel was they got to choose whether they were blessed or whether they were cursed, they got to choose. The beauty of life is you get to choose. The beauty of life is you can choose. The hard lesson of life is you can choose the wrong things. How many have chosen the wrong things ever? Some of you lying. That was another wrong choice. You can choose the wrong path, can't you? You can choose the wrong friends, the wrong person to date, wrong person to marry. By the way, if you're with a person you're married to, they are the right person. <laughs> so too many people lie to them, oh, I just chose the wrong one. Once you choose them, they're the right one, unless they're beating you. Anyway, I got quiet there. Proverbs 4 verse 7 says this, the beginning of wisdom is this, I love this verse, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Solomon says to you and me, the beginning is this, go get it, go find it, go read it in the Word, read it in a book, hang out with people smarter than you, brighter than you. How many of you know you're not born with wisdom? You're born with IQ, aren't you? Some more than others, but how many of you know that it, you can be educated but a fool? And Solomon instructs you and I to go get wisdom. And whenever the children of Israel would forsake wisdom, they would always go from true worship to presumptive fake worship, and then eventually it would lead them to false worship. True worship, if you don't stay in true worship, it'll actually lead you to a fakish kind of worship. But if you stay in fake worship too long, you'll eventually go to false worship. False worship always leads to oppression. 
Judges chapter 6, verse 1 says this. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, which means they lacked wisdom, doesn't it? And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Someone say seven years. Someone know that's a new normal, isn't it? New normal for seven years. You imagine 2020 for seven years? Jesus, no, right? (laughs) Jesus, take the wheel. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites because the power of Midian was so oppressive, some would say oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountains and in clefts, in caves and strongholds, which means their 2020 out, like, made our 2020 look like a picnic. Verse three, whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites and other people invaded the country. They camped in the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and they did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Haven't you noticed that in your hardest times you learn more? How many of you learn from the person next to you sometimes what not to do? Just look at that person and say, thank you. The Bible says that the children of Israel cry out to God and God sends them help. He sends himself and he begins to speak to Gideon and Gideon is hiding. But the good thing is Gideon's hiding, but he's working. He's working what he has. He's working what he's got. And God shows up to him and calls him what he's not. He says, mighty man of valor. But he's hiding. I love how God calls you and me what we're not many times. He calls you out of the smallness and out of fear and he calls you something that perhaps you are not today. He calls you saint and you just accepted him. He calls you forgiven and you're like, I haven't done anything right yet. You're right, that's grace. He calls you something particularly different. And Judges chapter six, verse 17 says this, Gideon replied, if I have now found favor in your eyes, give me a sign. Someone say, give me a sign. Give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. So Gideon went inside and prepared a young goat. Here's what I want to tell you today. My first thought today, if you like to take notes, is this. Every warrior needs preparation. Every warrior needs preparation. What was Gideon doing as he asked God, God, give me a sign again. Confirm your word in my life again. He's asking him for preparation so that he would have greater conviction on the inside. All of us need times when God speaks to us, but how many know that we are sometimes frail? We do sometimes head to negativity. We are just human, and God doesn't see us and look down and go, oh, you stupid idiot. No, He literally has mercy on us. He sees our weakness and our frailties, and He says, listen, I've spoken to you once, but I will speak to you again. And actually, it is Gideon's real wisdom here that asks God, God, show me again. 
And I think that's a prayer that all of us could pray. Father, I know you have something for me, but God, would you show me again? Why? Because preparation, God wants to prepare you so that he can actually place great conviction in you. Because a warrior needs great conviction. Warriors need to know that they're actually fighting the right fight. Preparation time leads to strong conviction. And I believe this, that to the level of your preparation will be the level of your confidence. How many know when you're driving across a bridge, you wanted the engineer to go to engineer school? If you've ever had surgery, how many are hoping that the doctor didn't just cheat to the person next to them, they actually spent time preparing? When you say, man, I'm coming to the house of God and I'm not just coming, but I'm preparing myself, that's a different spirit because God wants to prepare you for now for what he has for you in a month, in a year, in five years. If you'll start taking yourself a little more seriously, if you'll start taking your faith a little more seriously, God will begin to speak to you more because he's trying to prepare you and save you many times some pain. I began to read books about marriage when I was 18 and 19 and 20. Why? Because I wanted to prepare myself for what was coming because I didn't want to repeat the cycles of the past. And the best thing I could have done was to read those types of books way back then. Who would have known I'd be speaking on it on a yearly basis for 15 years? And I've still got lots of lessons to learn. And my wife said, amen. <laughs> Gideon is getting to ready to battle something that had ruthlessly oppressed Israel for seven years. Someone say seven years. You've heard the term new normal, new normal, new normal. Israel's new normal was fear. It was poverty, it was oppression, it was hiding in caves and God is trying to get a man to walk by faith and to smash the new normal. If you think that 2020 and 2021 made people weird, could you imagine if 2020 went on for seven years and we were all wearing masks and doing the stuff for seven years? Ah! No! <laughs> No, I mean, you know, if you think people are acting weird now, seven years from now, we'd be weird. <laughs> Their new normal was scared. But God never comes to anyone and affirms them in their fear. He always calls people out of fear. He always calls people out of anxiousness. You'll never find a scripture that is literally like, be very afraid, be more afraid than you are. No, God shows up and says, do not be afraid. Angels show up to people and say, do not be afraid. The Word of God shows up to your life, do not be afraid. Do not live by fear. Do not allow it to get on you because it will cripple you. The just shall live by faith. If you're a man of God, live by faith. If you're a woman of God, live by faith. I refuse to allow a new normal of fear over me. I've got to be a preacher of faith. 
Last week we talked about how passivity is the enemy to your faith. But I often found once you shake off passivity, you have to battle fear. Fear, it's interesting, you don't even have to think fear is part of your life without fear being part of your life. Um, I find it so interesting that all of my kids, though I'm a person of faith, though I pray for my kids' dreams, that all of my kids dealt with, to some degree, some kind of nightmares. That simply means that we live in a fallen, broken world and fear is the occupying spirit. And it's always looking for avenues to come in. Jesus has defeated the enemy, but how many know that the enemy is a thief? And thieves don't just leave without kicking them out. And many times you and I have to get proactive to kick out fear because I've often found that fear is is so a part of sometimes our language For instance, when you talk to someone, how's things going? You're like, knock on wood. (laughs) Oh, that'll keep you safe. (laughs) What what are they saying? They're saying things have been going well, but now now it'll really go well. And what are are we doing? There's things in our language that show that fear is a part of our life. But God always pulls people out of fear into faith. Can I challenge you to create a new God normal? Not a new normal, but a new God normal. Romans 15, 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you. Someone say, fill me. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may... Oh, let this be part of my life. Let it be part of your life. May overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, if that's not part of your life right now, I would understand. I read this scripture this morning and I thought to myself, man, I better watch what I'm watching and I better watch what I'm thinking about because if I'm not overflowing with hope, then I'm focused on the wrong things. Watch what... Gideon does in Judges chapter six. Judges six says this. Gideon said to God, if you'll save Israel by my hand as you promised. He's he's trying to get more conviction. He's trying to get more faith. He says, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is only dew on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you saved Israel by my hand as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and he wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me to make one more test with the fleece. But this time, make the fleece dry and let the ground around it be covered with dew. That night, God did so, and only the fleece was dry or the ground was covered with dew. See, I believe this, that every warrior needs preparation of the mind and the heart. You need preparation of the mind, that's knowledge, that's what is my calling, what is my gifting, but how many know that you need preparation of the heart as well so that your heart is fully convinced what you are meant to do? When I was 19 years old, God called me to preach and he made it so clear, but how many know that that's not the only time he shows me those things? 
When I was 21, I had a man prophesy over me that I would speak in front of many, many people. I would then go into praise and worship moments and it was like the Lord began to give me sermon ideas time and time again. I kept seeing myself as I was praying. I kept seeing myself speaking in front of other people. It's like God doesn't just show you one time. He'll show you twice. He'll show you three times. He'll show you four times. If you keep seeking, He will keep showing you so that you are a person of conviction. God's trying to prepare you. Say that with me. God's trying to prepare me. Number two today, every warrior needs a battle. Say it with me, every warrior needs a battle. Judges 6.25 says this, that same night the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one, uh, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper, someone say proper, a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him, but because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. I find it amazing and I find it instructional that Gideon is not sent to go change Israel first. He is to go down and cut down daddy's idol, daddy's dysfunction, daddy's issues, his family problems, his family issues. The first assignment many times for your life is not go change the world. The first assignment many times for your life is deal with the generational, the family issues that are plaguing your family because how can you change the world unless you deal with that thing? I remember many years ago, I was 18, I heard a preacher preach, Dick Rubin was his name. He was an American preacher, I lived in Australia and he talked about forgiving someone that offended you. And he literally said, listen, if, so, if you have something against someone, go tell them. Now, how many know that's good preaching? How many know that's awkward living? It's good preaching, it's awkward living. And as he preached about, go and tell the person you forgive them, the Holy Spirit nudges my heart, go forgive your dad. So I was like, oh, that's kind of awkward. So I was like, hey, Dad, uh, you know, you've been a good dad, but I guess I've had some things in my heart against you. And I just want to let you know I forgive you. See, my father wrestled. Here's my father's giants. My father wrestled his own father. His own father didn't talk to him his first 20 years of his life. And he was always talking about how it hindered him, how it was dysfunctional on him. How many know repeating the past time and time again actually change you to the past? You cannot continue to talk about the one day in your life that went wrong. I don't care if it's when you're seven, you're 10, you're 15, you're 20, you might need to see a counselor about it and all those kinds of things. And I know bad things happen to really very times many nice people, but what I wanna say is there is a time and a place where you have to let go of the past, you have to forgive it, cut it off, you're gonna cut down the idol of bitterness that will plague your home and literally say today's a new day, I will not repeat the past. 
I will not repeat what dad kept repeating. I will not repeat that. I will not. I lay down bitterness. I lay down, I lay down resentment. And the change has to start with me. It's funny at the time when the Holy Spirit came upon my life, the first thing He did was convict me and show me that I shouldn't get drunk anymore. Well, let me ask you a question. What was daddy's idols? Bitterness and drunkenness. And the, 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 the assignment God gave for me was forgive and stop doing that. And what does he say to Gideon? He says, Gideon, go take a bull. How many know bulls are expensive? Like if you're into farming at all, a bull is a nice amount of money. And Gideon could have been like, well, why don't, there's a dead chicken, oh, there's an almost dead chicken over here. Why don't I go get the almost dead chicken, bring that to God, and that'll be a pleasing offering. No, God says, listen, you're gonna pull down this, this false worship of Baal and Ashtoreth. You are go, go, you're gonna go get something expensive, a bull, and then you're gonna set up appropriate worship. Because how could you bring the blessing of God to your home if you bring God misappropriate worship? Let me say that again. How can you bring the blessing of God to your home if you're always just bringing leftover, misappropriate worship? Now let me say this, it's funny, it's funny the conversations I have with people. I bumped into two different people recently. They didn't come to our church, they went to the gym. And they're like, hey man, you're the pastor, right? I'm like, yeah. They're like, hey, am I allowed to come to your church? <laughs> Let me just say for everyone online, everyone watching, everyone, you're always, continually, constantly invited to this church. It ain't a country club, you don't like sign, I, say, oh, I got a membership now and now I can come. He literally said, can I come? I'm like, oh, you're, 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 not just, you're our honored guest. If you're a first time here, you're our honored guest. If you bring someone, you're our honored guest. We love having you. We're excited you're here. But, but I don't know about your beliefs. That doesn't matter, I'm excited you're here. The gospel is always invitational to everyone. God didn't love some of the world. He loved all all the world, all the world, always invited, always invited. You know what he, you know what all means in the Hebrew? All. You know what it means in the Greek? All. You know what it means in Australia? All. You know what it means in New Jersey? All means all, that's all, all means. You're always invited. Then someone said to me, how much do you have to give? I was like, oh, this is an awkward question. <laughs> and he said, you know, I grew up Catholic and we normally throw like between $2 and $20 into the plate. Now, how many of you would like me to tickle your ears? And how many want me to tell you the truth? Come on, put up your hand and say, tickle my ears. Anyone? Come on, there's at least a few. You'd rather me tickle your ears, wouldn't you? It's like, Gucci, Gucci, goo. Come here, let me tickle that. Ah, oh, isn't that cute? How many, want, how many want me to tell you the truth? So here's the truth. You can come to the church 
for the rest of your life and never ever give a dollar. That's the truth. You can sit and soak and sour. <laughs> and no one's gonna check and, huh? You can come to church for the rest of your life and never give one dollar for the rest of your life. It's free. It's an amazing place. It's called free. But how many know that if I'm a pastor, I should lead you along the path of discipleship? How many know that sometimes that's awkward? Come on, do you want me to tickle your ears or do you want me to tell you the truth? Now you said it. The first thing God does with Gideon is he says, take down your father's false worship. Baal, Ashtoreth. Basically, the gods of sex, money, and power is what they were. They would go to the Old Testament places of Baal and Ashtoreth. It was basically, it was an orgy that was their worship. You're like, that's not really what I think of when I think of church. You're like, that sounds like a porn movie. Yeah, that was their worship. That's still the worship today. Sex, money, power. God says to Gideon, take down this idol, this false idol, this demonic spirit. Take down this lie of anything goes. Take down that your, your blessing comes from me. Take it down and then go get a bull and bring an acceptable offering to God. He dealt with him on giving. Pulls down sex, money, power. The other thing is he sets up this appropriate worship. See, here's the thing. I believe that your worship and my worship is either appropriate for who God is or it's not. It's either appropriate as a king or I'm giving him the dead chicken, almost dead chicken in the back. Like, God, there's almost a dead chicken. Let's take the dead chicken, let's give it to God. He's like, I don't want your almost dead chicken. He says, I want that thing. I want the first, I want the best. See, here's the thing. Every warrior needs a battle. Let me try close with this because I'm not yet on point three. Warriors, every warrior needs healing. Every warrior needs preparation. Every warrior needs a battle to fight. Every warrior needs healing. When God shows up to Gideon, Gideon doesn't say, Lord, I knew you'd come. <laughs> I'm amazing. His self-image was one of complete smallness. He was a grasshopper in his own sight. God shows up to him and says, mighty warrior. And you know what he says? He says, my tribe is the least. My clan is the least. He says, my family is the least. And he says this, I am the least of my family. His self image was so broken by what Midian had done to them, perhaps by the dysfunction of his parents and, and all the gist. His self image is so broken that when God shows up, he brings a healing word and he can't receive it. Are you hearing me? God brings a healing word to His Spirit, but He can barely receive it. 
And I wish that God prepares you and then God heals you and then you battle and you never need to go back to preparation and you never need to go back to healing. But I just want to tell you on your walk with God, sometimes it's going to feel like you're getting prepared. Other times it's going to feel like you're getting healed. Other times it feels like you're in the battle. And it's sometimes all three all at the same time. I was in Australia about two years ago And I'm on vacation, I was there for, well, I wasn't really on, actually that time I was not on vacation, I don't think. I was there to go to my father's funeral. So I was only there for a short amount of time. And my mother said to me, honey, do you wanna go? There's a prayer meeting at my church. It's at six in the morning, it's on a Tuesday. And um, that's kinda like, well, I mean, yeah. I'm good. No, I'm spiritual and all, but. I'm on vacation. (laughs) And at four in the morning, I wake up and I keep feeling pressed, like you need to go to this prayer meeting. I'm like, Lord, how rude. (laughs) Just, just, it's four in the morning. You didn't want to wake me up at 5.30? But I kept, and this has never happened to me before, I promise you. I just kept feeling important. You need to go to this prayer meeting. You need to go to this prayer meeting. I'm like, Lord, I'm in Australia. They don't go to prayer meetings. It's not true, but I'm on vacation. And I had all these excuses why I shouldn't go to the prayer meeting, but I just felt like the Holy Spirit was like, hey, you need to go. So I shot at the prayer meeting. I've never met the pastor of that church before. And my mother introduces me to him. He's a super nice guy. And anyway, we do the prayer meeting. It takes about an hour. And then right at the end, the pastor calls me in the middle. He says, hey, we've got a pastor. He's an Aussie, but he leads a church in America. And I just want us to pray for him. He sets me in the middle of these Aussies and they begin to pray for me. And three of them, three of them give me a particular word that heaven gave them. And sometimes those things can happen. You're like, oh, that sounds a little weird. But the one pastor looks at me and as he's praying for me, he says, I see, he says, I don't know you at all. He didn't know me from anyone. He says, I see you with a sword and it's a big sword. And I see you driving it into a ground and I see that you've been doing it, he said, for years. And I see the ground beginning to break up all around you and it's starting to make a big, big difference and as he began to tell me that man tears began to come to my eyes because I was just like God you know I I live in my country for 16 years and here's the deal it, it couldn't be a waste of time and for years only God knows I'd go to the place of prayer and go to the place of prayer and say Father I feel like There's something so much more in us. I feel like there's something more you want to do. And God began to show me that I was not wasting my time. He says, though you've been battling, I'm healing you. I'm I'm, I'm pouring a fresh oil upon your life and your vision. It is not in vain. It's not in vain. It's not in vain. It's not a waste of time. You're praying, you're serving, you're giving. It's not a waste of time. He says, you're a warrior, son. 
He said, you're a warrior, son, and it mattered. And I just want to call some champions in this place. I want to call some warriors in this place. I want to say to some people today, fight, fight, because it matters. Heaven's counting. Stay standing for a moment. Stay standing for a moment. I know I've just been yelling at you. Sorry. Thank you. People online, they're not sure yet. Online, just put, it's okay, Pastor. Let me close with this, Judges 1. I'm over time, but Judges 1 says this. Judges 1 verse 1 says this, After the death of Joshua, the Israelites asked the Lord, Who of us is to go up first? to fight against the Canaanites. And the Lord answered, Judah shall go up, for I have given the land into their hands. And you might be like, what's up with that verse? Israel was to go into the Canaanite territory. Judah meant praise. They sent the praises first. What happens in the natural in the Old Testament happens in the spiritual in the New Testament. They sent praise first because when you send praise first, you get the right perspective. If you don't send praise first, you're just a realist. But when you send praise, you get heaven's perspective. When you, get, when you send praise over your marriage, you get heaven's perspective. When you send praise over your healing you're desiring to see, you, you get heaven's perspective. When you, when you send praise over what has been a difficult season in your life, you get perspective. And I just wanna say to us today, what's the start perhaps for some of you to get that warrior spirit back? It actually isn't fighting something on Facebook somewhere. It's sending praise ahead of you. It's sending praise over your family. It's sending praise over your generation. You know, this church, we need a larger building. I just want to tell you. But here's what I want us to do. I want us to praise God before we have it. Because it will be a lesson to our church. It will be a lesson to some of you that we didn't praise Him and thank Him afterwards. No, we sent thanks and we sent praise before we got it. And then we're in the building. You're like, wait, we already praise God for the building. You're going to see it. You're going to see it. You're going to see like, wait, we already did that. And I just want to tell you, that's the lesson. I've already praised God for everything we need. I've praised Him for the leaders we need. I've praised Him for the finance we need. I've praised Him for every favor we need. I've, all, I've been sending ahead praise. I just say, praise you. You're already opening doors. You're already healing bodies. You're already restoring people. You are building marriages in this place. I praise you in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name. So can we do that? It's going to teach this church a lesson. It's going to teach you something. I want you to do something. You might be a first-time guest. You're like, oh, there's going to come a new building. Yep, it's coming. But I'm going to teach you something. Praise before. And then when you sit in it, you're like, oh, I already did. 
Can we praise God for the favor, for the finance, everything we need for the new space? Come on, let's praise Him. Let's praise Him. Nothing's too hard for Him. Nothing's too hard for Him. We are a church alive. We are not dead. We don't shrink. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him for breakthrough in your marriage. Praise Him for a healed body. Praise Him for household salvation. Praise Him before. Praise Him before. Praise Him before. Oh, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, give Him a shout. Praise you, God. You might be here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. What does that mean? It means I I turn away from trusting me, living life my own way, being my own Lord, and I say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Be my Savior, be my Lord. So all across this place, those online, those watching, those in this auditorium right now, we're gonna pray a simple prayer. And by faith, people's eternities will change. If you feel like you are far away from God, you feel like you're not sure of your relationship with God, pray this prayer with me. Everyone across our church, say, Jesus, thank you for winning the ultimate war against sin, death, and hell. I ask you, forgive me. I turn away from trusting me. I turn away from being my own boss. And I turn to your goodness. I turn to your love. I ask you, make me a child of God. Come into my life. Plant me in your purpose. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your power. I ask you now, in your powerful name, while eyes are closed, if you meant business with God, either saying yes to Christ for the first time or feel like you're just far away from God and you're not sure of your relationship with God, I'm going to ask you to quickly raise your hand all across this place. On the count of three, one, two, three, quickly raise your hand, raise your hand all across this place. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, sir. Thank you, that one in the back there. That's awesome today. Thank you, sweetheart. That's awesome today. There's another one over there. That's awesome today. Thank you, man. That's awesome today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You can put your hand down. Father, I thank you for every hand, every heart. I ask you touch their lives and bless them. Lord, we are overcomers. Thank you for overcoming. Help us walk in it, I pray, in Jesus' name. And a faith-filled church said...